The teaching this week comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Hear the word of the Lord. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go, and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Injustice has always been part of life in a fallen world. In different cultures, at different times, it's taken on different forms. And no matter where you're at on the cultural divide that we live in, hearing the words, I can't breathe, was and is simply gut-wrenching. And it reminded us that historic injustices on our African-American neighbors, brothers, and sisters still have present effects and in many ways are still present realities. And then, while a lot, has, a lot of good has followed the last few weeks, seeing violence and injustice in response to injustice did nothing but keep injustice in HD for us. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, uh, ignoring injustice won't bring about a more just world. Injustice in response to injustice won't bring about a more just world. And so what then will bring about the more just world that we all want? Well, the answer to that is complex, no simple solutions. But we believe the starting place to answering that question is here. In light of our current reality, in light of the racial tension and the racial divide that exists inside our country and in our world, what would Jesus want us to think, feel, and do? And while there are plenty of places in the Bible we could go to answer that question, we're going we're gonna to look at a story known as the Good Samaritan, but we actually think it's better translated or better titled, The Compassionate Samaritan. And so what we're going to do is we're going to get into that story 
we're going to let that story speak to us and then ask how do we live in light of that story. Now, I want to say this up front, that this one story told by Jesus does not say everything that there is to say about being a people of justice, but we do believe that the story has something to say about racism and prejudice. And so we're going to get into the story. And we're going to let Jesus speak to us. And so let's go. Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up, always a lawyer. A lawyer stood up and put him to the test, to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, and, your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. So here's the scene. This lawyer comes to Jesus. Um, He's likely a Pharisee trained in the law of Moses, and he asks him a question. He says, Jesus, uh, what, what do I do? How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus, doing what Jesus does, answers his question with a question. How do you read the law? How do you read the law? And the lawyer responds, well, you, you love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, correct. Now, uh, for this man trained in the law of Moses, trained in the Old Testament, th- this would have been nothing new. He would have known that half of the Ten Commandments are about neighbors. In fact, the word neighbor is used four times in the Ten Commandments. A neighbor or neighboring spoken of over a hundred times in the Old Testament. Why? Why is neighboring so central to the Ten Commandments? Why is neighboring spoken of so much in the Old Testament? Because the answer is because, because the Bible goes like this. God created a world that was good and there was harmony and shalom, this complete and total flourishing for everyone. Sin enters the world and everything gets fractured. Everything, relationships with, with one another, with, even within our own self, with God, everything gets fractured. And then God forms a people who are going to go out into the world and they were going to bring about healing and a restoration among the nations of the world. And at the heart of being a people, at the heart of being a people who would be about this, this healing and restoring of what is broken in the world is a question. What kind of neighbor are you? What kind of neighbor are you? The lawyer knew this, and so he comes back to Jesus with another question. Verse 29. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now, the the motive of this man, I think, is applicable to us. It says, desiring to justify himself. Uh, This word justify, it's a a legal term, to show justice, do justice, to be seen as just. He asks, who is my neighbor? You see, the the, the point of his question, the reason that he asks the question, who is my neighbor, is, is not because he wants to go and love his neighbor as himself but it's to be able to say, I've done that. I've done that. Because for him, for this man, the neighbor is the 
fellow Jew who lives near him. That's who his neighbor is. And so, Jesus being no fool, responds with a story. And this is where Jesus outlawyers the lawyer. Look at verse 30. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, this man going from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, this would have been a Jewish man, uh, a Jewish man who was beaten, robbed, left for dead. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, that road. And we saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So here's what we have. We have a priest and a Levite, both Jews. They saw the man. Keyword, saw the man. And they go out of their way to pass by. Now, verse 33, a Samaritan is going to show up. Now, Samaritans and Jews despised one another, hated one another. A long history as to why, but but here's what you need to know. Under no cultural definition of the word would they have been thought of as neighbors in that day. Let's keep reading. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, there it is again, When he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. So Samaritan saw the man, saw the man, and when he saw the man, he had compassion, and compassion led him toward the man, not away from the man. Compassion led him to action. You see, here's the first thing that we see, maybe the first principle, if you will, out of this story. It's that biblical compassion is more than just a feeling. Biblical compassion is more than just something that gives warm fuzzies on the inside. Biblical compassion leads to action. Biblical compassion leads to action. For this man, what does that mean? He he went to him and he poured out oil and wine, oil for healing, wine to prevent infection. And he took him to an inn, paid for about two months. You see, this man didn't have a short-term solution for the man on the side of the road. When the Samaritan saw him, he didn't just go and say, hey, listen, let me, let me pour some oil wine and then walk away. He had a long-term plan for this man's healing. He had a long-term plan for this man's healing. And now Jesus turns back to the lawyer and he asks him a direct and poignant question. Verse 36. Which of these three, Jesus asks, which of these three proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. 
Do you see what Jesus did there? Jesus forced him to redefine neighboring. Jesus forced the lawyer to redefine neighboring from Jews taking care of Jews the way that this man thought to neighboring being something that transcends racial and ethnic boundaries. It transcends historic hatred between Jews and Samaritans. It breaks down dividing walls. Neighboring isn't something simply that you are, but being a neighbor is something you prove to be. Neighboring is something that you prove to be. How? By showing mercy. How? By showing mercy. Who, who was the neighbor to this man? The one who showed mercy. Let's talk about this word mercy real quick. The, the, the word mercy in the Bible, it has a bit of a range of meaning. So we talk about divine mercy, mercy that God gives to us because Jesus paid the penalty for our, for our sin and his no, life, death, and resurrection. But, but mercy also has a more technical meaning in the scriptures, meaning to care for the poor, the vulnerable, doing justice, feeding the hungry, economic development, meeting physical needs. For example, there's a, a scene in Mark 10 where a, a blind man hears Jesus walking by and he cries out, he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to heal my sight. I want you to heal my sight. I want you to fix what's broken. I want you to heal my problem. Caring for the vulnerable, protecting the marginalized, feeding the hungry. This is what it means to show mercy. You see, what's the point? Neighboring isn't just about who you live near. Neighboring is about how you live in the world. Neighbors move toward the wounded. Neighbors don't look away. Neighbors don't walk by. Neighbors feel a biblical compassion that leads them to action. That's what it means to be a neighbor. Neighbors see the wounded and move toward the wounded. And then Jesus says to this man, to the lawyer, you go and you do likewise. What does he mean by that? Well, obviously he doesn't mean you, you need to go to this specific road, you need to find a man who had been beaten by robbers and left for dead, and then, you know, oil wine to the end. What he means is you go and you be this kind of neighbor. You go out into the world and you be this kind of neighbor, the kind who cares for the vulnerable, protects the marginalized, and feeds the hungry. You go and you be that kind of neighbor. And so I think it's quite appropriate in light of our current situation, to ask the question, how do we go and do likewise? When it's not one man on the side of a road, but it's hundreds of thousands who have been oppressed for centuries. When it's our brothers and our sisters who are living with the effects of being ripped from their homeland hundreds of years ago, brought and enslaved here. How do we go and do likewise? In light of that reality, in light of the history not just of America, but of Africa and how they intertwine, how do we go and do likewise?
Well, it starts with seeing the wounds of our African-American neighbors and not walking by or not looking away. It starts with not pretending that historic injustice doesn't have present effects and create real pain. It starts with not walking by or looking away. And then, and then seeing, seeing leading to a real biblical compassion, the kind of compassion that leads to action, the kind of compassion that doesn't just swell in us, but it creates action in us. And this is where for many of us it gets difficult. This is where for many of us it gets difficult. It simply does because we, we might be saying something like this. You might be saying right now as I say these words, something like this, I feel that kind of compassion. I feel that kind of compassion and I want it to lead to action, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what action to take. Well, let me, let me give a few ideas, a few action items. I, I broke them into uh, individuals, parishes, and church-wide. Um, this is not an exhaustive list, but I just wanted to list out ideas for individuals. I wanted to list out some ideas for parishes and then give you a taste of some ideas church-wide, what we're hoping to do. So here's, let's talk individual first. Here's 11 ideas for individuals. Let's start with this one first. Honestly acknowledge that many of us, myself included, have benefited from society as it is. No one is judging you for it. But let's be honest about it. Second, repent over subtle forms of prejudice in your heart without pretending like they don't exist. They're in all of us. Third, ask honest questions. But ask honest questions while guarding yourself from being the lawyer in the story. Don't, don't ask questions to try to justify yourself, to make you feel better about yourself or look a certain way in front of certain people. Ask honest and even difficult questions to be better equipped to love your neighbor as yourself. Fourth, do the hard work of really learning the history of slavery and oppression and injustice so that we can truly understand what caused the wounds in our African-American neighbors that exist today. Fifth, join Facebook groups like Be The Bridge where you can learn from other Christians wrestling through issues of race and justice in the world. Six, speak up. Speak up when somebody makes a subtly racist joke that you know isn't funny. I heard one African-American pastor call, call it this, be, be willing to create some moments of biblical awkwardness. Seventh, resist polarizing and reductionistic narratives. This is an incredibly complex time in history. Don't oversimplify it. Eighth, avoid debating on social media. Disembodied dialogue will not bring about embodied, will not bring an end to embodied injustice. 
disembodied dialogue will not bring an end to embodied injustice. Injustice happens in the flesh and blood. Justice restored will happen in flesh and blood. If you're going to use social media, be constructive with it. Use it as a place to learn, but not a place to debate. Ninth, identify and when you can, purchase from black-owned businesses. Tenth, pay attention to and participate in local elections, not just national ones. And eleventh, recognize that if you feel tired and exhausted from weeks of news coverage and social media posts about this topic, imagine how tired our African-American neighbors must feel. Is that an exhaustive list? Of course not. But it's meant to be a source of ideas for you. Let's talk parishes. Here's a, a few ideas for parishes. Parishes, if you don't know, are our smaller groups of men, women, children, meet in homes, live life together. First, give time to prayer, lament, and discussion as a parish. We, we want to foster honest and loving conversations that will help us be better neighbors together. But, but we have to be safe spaces for honest conversation by giving room to disagree. We have to give room for one another to say, yeah, I don't know about that, or what about that, and it be safe to disagree. Use men's and women's nights to read through a particular resource or go and serve one of our partnerships that are focused on caring for the vulnerable and invite our neighbors into that. Another idea, uh, Houston is an ethnically divided city, one of the most divided in our country. Go to a predominantly African-American neighborhood and go on a prayer walk. If you don't know what that means, that just means you start walking and you pray together. And get to know fellow Houstonians. Meet, meet people as you walk the streets and pray. Parents, um, take your kids on this walk with you so that, that our kids don't grow up thinking the entire world is just like the Heights. Another idea, volunteer with foster kids or communities and schools or just go and volunteer with a local public school. We have a member named Calvin Mark who's engaged in all three. Um, we'll send his contact info to parish leaders so that if you as a parish want to engage in one of those arenas or just as an individual, you'll have access to um, Calvin who will help you get connected. What about church-wide? Well, we, we believe that human flourishing, we, we believe that it is meant to flow through the local church into the world, through the church into the world. And so we, we are going to focus more of our efforts, church planting, where it has been historically difficult to find planters to go. We're going to host study groups this fall over Zoom. Among, among others, my wife will host a study group in the fall to give space to learn together. Listen, no one is pretending to be an expert. We just have people who are passionate about being a good neighbor, informed neighbors. We're not doing this so we can read some stuff to feel better about ourselves. We want to be informed neighbors so we can take informed action and understand how to bring about a more just world. 
we're going to give days to prayer and fasting this fall. Days to prayer and fasting, be that over Zoom, uh, be it in person, all of that is a, a bit to be determined, obviously. We're going to give days to prayer and fasting to keep issues of racial injustice and our effort at racial reconciliation right here in the church, through the church, into the world, on our mind and hearts as a people. And then as your pastor, along with many of our Southern Houston pastors, I, I want you to know that uh, while this is not a new topic for us, um, we, we are partnering with a group of other pastors across our city, linking arms with them, co committing to teaching more consistently on the implications of the gospel in this particular area of life, while we together as these group of pastors in Houston give a unified voice to structural and systemic changes that we want to see made. Those are just a few. Those are just a few action items for individuals, for parishes, and for us as a church. But here's one concern that we have. Here's a concern that we have. We, we don't ever want to be a people that just move on from working for a more just world. We, we don't want to be a people who ever move on from, from seeing the gospel and the implications of that gospel lead us out into the world to creating a more just world. And so where will the sustaining power come from to keep caring about this weeks from now, months from now, years from now? Where will that come from? I think we can take some cues from Martin Luther King. When he looked out at a world of injustice, he, he didn't say, you know what we need to do? He didn't say, we, we need to abandon our Christian roots. He didn't say, we, we need to abandon the gospel. Here's what he said. He said, we need to be more Christian, not less. We need to more fully apply the gospel. We need to more richly and robustly apply the gospel in our daily lives. What does that mean? It means that we need to see the compassion of Jesus for us and let that lead us to action. We need to see the compassion Jesus had for us. That when he looked down on us, saw the wound that sin created in humanity, he didn't stay at a distance, but he came and became one of us. And he went to the cross and he died on the cross where he didn't just pour out oil and wine, but it was his blood that he poured out. And when he did, you know what happened? He became the true compassionate neighbor. He became the true, compassionate neighbor, pouring out his blood so that we could then go and pour out our lives for all. And we need to, we need to see, we need to see our neighbors the way that Christ saw us. We need to see our neighbors the way that Jesus sees the world. Where will we get those kinds of eyes? Where will we get those kinds of eyes to see the world, see our neighbors the way that Jesus sees us and sees the world and saw us in our deepest need? That will take the work of the Spirit to come in and change our hearts and to continually change our hearts. It takes the saving grace of God as Christ by the Spirit is applied to us, applied to you. You want to be in a living, this living embodiment of mercy in the world, 
to be the kinds of neighbors that go and do likewise. It takes the saving grace of the Spirit applied to us, the empowerment of the Spirit continually, continually overflowing in our lives. It's not going to happen without the saving and empowering work of the Spirit. It is no trite or shallow Christian ease to say that the grace needed to stay pressed into and seeing the wounds of our friends and neighbors takes a more rich, robust, deep application of the gospel, the kind that only the Spirit of God can bring. And listen, go and do likewise. In our world today, in the midst of the racial injustice, it won't be easy. It will not be easy. No one is saying that we have all of the answers. We will make mistakes. We have made mistakes. There are things I wish I could get a do-over on in this area. We have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. We will make more and new mistakes. But our posture at Sojourn is going to be striving to be a community of mercy in the world so that we can pray with Jesus, not just on earth as it is in heaven, but in Houston as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come right here. And may your kingdom come bring a more just world for all. Let's pray. Father, we, we want to be a people who, who hear the words of Jesus, go and do likewise, and we take them seriously. We want to be a people of biblical compassion, the kind of compassion that leads us to action in our world, seeing the gospel actually shape our life out in the world. Guard us from being the lawyer in the story, ever seeking to just justify ourselves. Help us to be a people who love our neighbor as ourself. We know it won't be easy. We know it will take your sustaining grace. And so grant that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.